It's more about what we know scientifically will calm and relax the mind, will dilute stress hormones in the body, will help accelerate physical healing, that kind of thing. So it's very physiological based. And so when we look at it from a spiritual perspective, look, you sometimes you got to sit down and shut up. Quietness and stillness has always been part of our tradition. You know, um, it's always been part of it. You know, if Joseph Smith sat there chatting away in the sacred grove, there would be no room for the spirit to show up. It's episode number 463 of the Cultural Hall. I'm recording this intro on Thanksgiving Day 2020. And I just want to take a second and let you guys know how thankful I am for you. If you're finding this for the very first time, uh, thank you for finding your way towards the cultural hall. I hope that you really enjoy it. A couple episodes every week. We do news on Monday and we do an interview episode that publishes every Friday. For the most part, sometimes I have a lot of interviews, a timely interview that has to come up. Like, for example, a couple weeks away, I'm going to have Richard Elliott, the organist for the uh, Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. That's going to come out on a Monday instead of on a Friday. Why? Because I want to share it and I didn't want to wait till I had an open Friday. Listen, it's all scheduled out. I digress. I was trying to tell you how thankful I was for all of you who listen. Seriously, so much fun to be able to do these episodes. So much fun to get the feedback that I get from you. Contact at theculturalhall.com. Just really grateful, feeling a lot of gratitude in my heart for the people that I've been able to meet, for the opportunities that I've had to be able to feel the spirit as I've helped record these episodes, for the people that have said, hey, that last episode that you did changed me, moved me, made me laugh. Help me to be a better member of the church. Help me recognize something I hadn't considered before. All of the things, just feeling a tremendous amount of gratitude uh, in my heart for all of you. So I wanted to to, uh, to tell you that. I wanted to share that with you. No, uh, no, you know, no nothing else. Just that. I also want to let you know that I'm excited about this episode because I recorded this episode a little while back, and I thought, you know what, 2020 needs a way for us to uh, really learn how to just take a break calm the mind and think things through an opportunity to have a meditation within this episode itself. Uh, we will get walked through a meditation and it's great. I encourage you to save this episode because I have already gone through that meditation a few times. I'm being honest. We're, we're, we're knocking down the walls of honesty right now. I've probably gone through the meditation that's in this episode seven, eight times. I love it. Benjamin W. Decker is great. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and this one is exciting because who knows where it's going to go. I have an idea, at least in part, but we're going to talk about meditation, we're going to talk about social activism, and uh, we're going to talk about the entrepreneurial spirit, uh, all with my guest, Benjamin W. Decker. That'll be the last time that I will call him Benjamin W. Decker as his ap apostolic name. I'm just calling him Ben from here on out. Thanks for being here, Ben. Thank you for having me, Richard. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate that you called me Richard. Please, from here on out, call me Richie. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's interesting to me, as I have found uh, little bits and pieces about you, we introduced through uh, social media, Twitter, I believe, is where we first kind of became connected. But everywhere that I have seen any sort of biographical information about you, I have learned not only about the meditation with you, but also the social activism and the entrepreneur. You make a great point in wherever there is something published about you 
to have those three points. So within our discussion today, I hope that we can talk about how you are able to um, to be those three things, what those three things really are, and then maybe how they relate to the gospel as well. Does that sound okay? Fabulous. Absolutely. So because I think it's maybe uh, the, uh, what, the buzzword of now, uh, let's talk about meditation. People are talking a lot about being mindful. It's self-care. It's it's everything that uh, that we hear a lot of and some things that we don't really understand. We don't know if it jives well with the gospel of the, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think there is some some resistance for some members of the church to be like, I don't know, meditation, that's is that is that even okay? Do we do that? Do we not do that? I know there is some fear right. with that. So, 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 talk to me. What, what, what do you? What is meditation as you define it? Well, well, first of all, I think it's really interesting that you say it's a buzzword right now. Uh, it's been something that I've been practicing and interested in since I was a little kid. I was born and raised um, in the church. Uh, my ancestors are, you know, pioneer ancestors. Um, we we grew up going on family vacations, mostly to Nauvoo. I grew up in the Midwest. Really. Yeah. So a lot of time spent in Nauvoo, went to the dedication of the of the rebuilt Nauvoo Temple. Boy, um, isn't just to interrupt you real quick, boy, isn't that cool? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. Yeah. I mean, the, oh, ta- so cool. the town itself and the sort of cooperation that we have with uh, the community of Christ and all of the restored buildings there and the stories and 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 to to me, just the feeling about being able to be in Nauvoo. Like there, it it it's somewhat, and people will think I'm sort of woo woo and and whatever about it. But like, I think the I think the veil with saints and our ancestors is a little thinner there than maybe some other places. Oh, I absolutely think so. You know, uh, you can't go to Nauvoo without going to Carthage, right? And um, that's of course where uh, the founder Joseph Smith was was assassinated, and uh, the veil is very thin there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I remember standing on what they used to call Ground Zero. Uh, before they rebuilt the Nauvoo Temple on the on the foundation there. And I remember being very young and looking at some of the ruins, the original sunstones that were there. And I remember touching them and kind of getting in trouble for touching them. But of course, <laughs> touching whatever I felt like touching and really feeling having some of my earliest spiritual um, experiences, just no, nothing super uh, detailed or, or revelatory, but but just that sense of the experience of, like you said, the the veil being thin hmm. between worlds there. So, so sort of an odd upbringing in that if we compare it to like some families go to Disneyland, uh, you went to the Mormon Disneyland of Nauvoo growing up, but all that to say right. an upbringing within the church. So how did, how were you introduced to meditation? Well, um, you know, I remember my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, uh, who was also a member of church, saying things like uh, when there were questions that you need to meditate on it. I also remember the song, Search, Ponder, and Pray, the primary kids song. Search, uh, ponder, and pray. Is that that one? Are the, are the things, things that I must do. Yeah. You can feel free um, to sing. Don't, don't <laughs> You can sing in the cultural hall. You can't do that in the chapel unless, uh, you know, it's post-COVID time or it's the time for the hymn. But here in the cultural hall, do whenever you like. <laughs> love it. Well, yeah, I remember uh, asking my parents what what ponder means and um, the word meditate being introduced. 
um, to me in my mind. And I also remember seeing it just on TV and everything. And there was something, I had an innate natural connection to it. I was very attracted to it. Um, I was very interested in miracles, in ordinances, in rituals and ceremonies and uh, different cultures. And so that really, and I was very attracted to uh, the temple and the experience of eternity. And I always had a great connection to, you know, the ancestor, you know, I always, I, I don't know his exact relationship to my family, but Joseph Smith is, we're somehow related. Mm -hmm. He's a cousin of some, someone. And, um, I do know. Okay. Daphne Smith is his first cousin. Daphne <laughs> married so-and-so Decker and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So, Listen, I knew you knew, but, uh, but I wasn't going to make you, uh, you know, tell yeah. everyone that behind you in this zoom call is your genealogy where you have your family tree and circled is the prophet Joseph Smith. And I'm just teasing you. I'm just teasing. <laughs> yeah. May as well be, may as well be. But yeah, the, um, the whole experience with Joseph Smith for me, he bridged the relationship to Jesus Christ in a really interesting way because he felt very, uh, his life was so recent. Hmm. And, um, and I felt so connected to his life, having gone to Carthage jail numerous times, um, having gone to Nauvoo numerous times, uh, having family history, Zachariah Decker specifically, his name being mentioned in all these different museums in Nauvoo, um, having a lot of family history within the church. I felt very connected to Joseph Smith and his story. You know, we hear sort of like the, the highlight reel of his story, particularly with the first vision. And I, and I just felt very connected to, I felt a lot like him. I felt like I could do that. I felt <laughs> like I, if any of you lack wisdom, I could do that. I lack wisdom, you know? And so meditation became, became the way that I would hear from God. You know, we say that prayer is speaking to God. Meditation is listening. It's an interesting thing, though, because I think that it's only been in the last few years, or, or maybe this is just my perception of everything, but in, within the last few years that we really have been able to encompass meditation as part of, of a faith practice. When I was, you know, much younger, and I can tell I'm a couple years older than you, uh, maybe two, three max, that's pushing max. it, that's pushing it, Ben. Like the idea of meditation was, you know, the, the sitting cross-legged, the hands turned up towards the sky and the um, um, and you know, you would see it in every sitcom that there's the one person who's meditating and then they become the, the butt of the jokes. It hasn't been until, you know, maybe the last 10 years or so that, that, that we've been able to, to say this meditation, this pondering is, is really a practice that we can incorporate in conjunction with our particular brand of Christianity. Right. You know, uh, like you're describing the, the cross-legged position, the mudra, mm -hmm. the mudras, the hand positions. There are a lot of different mudras, different hand positions for, for different things, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then the chanting, like you said, the om. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are those are, of course, um, yogic practices. Uh, those are Hindu based practices. And, and just as Christianity was born of a uh, Jewish origin, Buddhism was actually born of a Hindu origin. Hmm. So there's a lot of overlap between Buddhism and, and Hinduism. And the yogic tradition actually comes from Hinduism. Hinduism is something that we use as a blanket term. We call it the world's oldest religion, but it's actually an Ayurvedic practice of philosophy, science, and spirituality 
from a whole bunch of different books. It's not like uh, Christianity, we talk about the Bible and in the LDS uh, faith tradition, we talk about the Bible, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, but the, the Hindu tradition is really more cultural and it's, it's, it far predates all other world religions um, and, and it also predates the notion of the separation of church and state. So philosophy, religion, government, physical health, um, medical needs, all of that is incorporated into one thing uh, within the yogic or Vedic uh, or Hindu traditions. Hmm. Um, and so a lot of times in, in today's world, we associate uh, meditation with that tradition because that word is, is really the one that we haven't used a lot. We don't, we don't use it a ton. Although if you really look uh, Joseph Smith discussed meditation. David O. McKay discussed meditation. Many of the different prophets, almost every single one, mm -hmm. I would say, uh, mentioned meditation one way or another. Uh, what I love about Joseph Smith is he talks about how um, I'm going to I'm not even going to try to quote him because uh, I can't really remember the exact languaging or the context. But I remember reading that he he said one of the greatest meditations uh, was for him was to was to figure out how to translate what the spirit was telling him into something that the church could understand. And so, so that gave me a good little hint that meditation could, could help us understand a multifaceted truth that even transcended the language that we're so used to. You go to church, you hear Russell M. Nelson speak, and it's a lot of the same language that every generation, every prophet has used since Joseph Smith. It's mm -hmm. a lot of very familiar languaging. Right. Um, but through personal revelation, there is something multidimensional that can be realized about eternity and about our heavenly parents and our heavenly nature and origin uh, that's not necessarily going to be dropped into our heads like full sentences hmm. and full concepts, you know. And, and David O. McKay talked about meditation as a way to enter into the Holy Spirit's presence. Um, so, so, so for me, those things, I, I found um, also in the 13th article of faith, this notion that we seek after things that are of good report. We seek after truth, essentially. Right. You know? Wherever we can find it, out of the best of books, out of all those things, right? The best of the best, wherever yeah. it is, right? And um, and I also remember, I believe it was a Gandhi quote that said, Gandhi held a, a branch in his hands and he says, this is uh, what I have. I have this branch, but look, there's an entire forest here. There's so much and, and no one tradition has the whole thing altogether, you know. And of course, we, we're very comfortable saying, well, we have the fullness of the gospel. You know, we, we hear that a lot within the church. A lot of people bear their testimony that that's the, that's the case. But for me, in the founding documents, and I consider the article of faith almost like our constitution of the church. Right. Um, the articles of faith are our founding documents. And in the 13th article of faith, and the 13th number is a very spiritual number. It's Christ in relationship to the 12 um, apostles. Huh. So the 13th is a very, very sacred symbol, you know, in, in Christianity. And so the 13th article of faith has like a wild card in it mm -hmm. where it says, check it out. There's plenty more out there to seek out and to find, you know, and, um, and we have in the DNA of our tradition, the reality that every, it's not that God changes, we learn. Every generation, we learn through revelation, through personal and collective revelation, 
we learn. So things that a couple generations ago, they thought for sure was the thing. It's not that God changed. It's that we expanded and learned, you know, God's the constant. We're the ones that have a lot of room to grow still, you know. So, um, so, so let me ask you this then. How do we, as I hear you explain meditation and we sort of relay it to or relate it to pondering, is it anything more than pondering? Are they synonymous? How how can we if we if we find ourselves looking for answers, whether we relate ourselves to Joseph looking for that big eternal answer to a question to solidify our testimony, or we're just struggling with something and need help from the heavens as we try and approach it by meditating, what is what does that l- look like? Or what does that not look like as we as we meditate? Some of us may be meditating and not know it. Some of us may yearn to meditate, but not know how. Right. You know, uh, have you ever heard this? It's something that's very popular in the self-help community where we say, listen to understand someone before you formulate a response. A lot of times when we're listening, we're thinking about what we're going to say next. Right rather than fully listening, I would say that's meditation. Meditation is really listening rather than thinking. So a lot of the meditation practices, like in my first book, Practical Meditation for Beginners, um, I I studied all the different world traditions, not all of them, but I studied a a survey of, of all the world traditions with a team of researchers, and we identified 10 categories of meditation. And we, we um, essentially found all the areas where the different uh, techniques and traditions agreed. We overlaid them with the scientifically proven techniques and benefits and created a how-to book. So, And a lot of people did not like that first book because I had so many different, I had 10 different categories of techniques, 10 different techniques, really. And a lot of traditions like to teach one. Mm. They like to teach one for a long, long time. And we're not in a world where that's really how we operate. You right. know, we we need to we need to be more multifaceted than that. So a lot of very traditional Buddhist um, scholars didn't. They were like, that book's not for beginners. You can't call it practical meditation for beginners. It's not really for beginners. It's much more advanced. But really, every generation needs to level up. Mm-hmm. So so I couldn't have done it without the previous all the work of the previous generations. I really just compiled something. Um, but in that book, it's more about what we know scientifically will calm and relax the mind, will dilute stress hormones in the body, will help accelerate physical healing, that kind of thing. So it's very physiological based. And so when we look at it from a spiritual perspective, look, you sometimes you got to sit down and shut up. Sometimes you got to <laughs> stop talking so that you can actually listen to the spirit. I remember my mom told me when I was um, in, my mom was one of my seminary teachers, and she was telling me a story of when... Um, she had a friend who was going through a lot of problems and, and just couldn't hear the spirit, wasn't listening to the spirit, couldn't hear from the spirit, tried, 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 couldn't hear from the spirit. And then one day she met her friend somewhere and she opened her car door, got out of the car and the music was blaring. And my mom was like, how can you hear the spirit if you're, if you're blaring music like that? And so quietness and stillness has always been part of our tradition. You know, um, it's always been part of it. You know, if Joseph Smith sat there chatting away in the sacred grove, there would be no room for the spirit to show up. Well, and even the sacred grove in and of itself, right? It was a place that he knew he could go where he wouldn't be interrupted, where there wouldn't be a tremendous amount of commotion. It's not like he went to the nearest congregation and said, hey, everybody, uh, go about your business. I'm going to go ahead and pray about this here. Like he was very intentional in, in, in where he did it. And there's obviously symbolism 
that's not this conversation now, but to go right. to a grove of trees to be able to to offer up that that plea from God. Mm-hmm. So certainly a quiet, a slowing, something that we in Western culture are horrible at. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a, a great thing that comes to mind. I, I haven't listened to it for a, a while. Um, so parts of it, I'm sure, are not politically correct, but I think people could find it. In fact, I'll leave it in a part of the show notes for this. It's a, a thing called Taekwon Leap, where it's essentially this guy, he's a sensei, and he's teaching you know, his student all about about the arts, right? The, the, the martial arts. And he what this guy wants to do is he just wants to learn how to kick people in the head, right? And he's like, oh, but you must first master you know, this self and, and, and where you're able to come at everything. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. How long will that take? Cause I'm really just here. Cause I want to boot people in the head. And so mm-hmm. it, it's funny, it's parody, but it is very much the essence of what we live in where we will never, it seems slow down and, and really take that opportunity to just listen. Right. God is so big. God is so much bigger than we think. We think that you know, and I think that's a tricky thing when when you use the language like we have the fullness of the gospel. That means we've got it all figured out to the mind. Yeah. The mind hears those words and goes, oh, handled, nailed it, all figured out. I actually don't have any more growth that I need to go through because I already know. Mm-hmm. And so and that's a really, really tricky mentality because that mentality seeps over into politics it seeps over into how we spend our money. It seeps over into how we how we eat. We don't feel the real need to change our the way we live our lives uh, because we're not drinking coffee, we're not drinking alcohol, we're not smoking cigarettes, we're not doing drugs. You know, we're not we're not doing the all the rules that we have to check in with each other and with our bishop on. Mm-hmm. We're not breaking those rules, so we've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but, but we don't, Ben. But and I and don't. I and I know that you're setting it up that way, but but we don't. So then, so given that that, that is very much in the vernacular of the culture in which we exist, how do we still be true to a belief that you know we feel like it's the restored gospel, but that we still have things to learn? That thirteenth article of faith that there's still lots of stuff out there, and not negate this time that we have. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's meditation, you know, not to oversimplify it, but I think in meditation, we go into a really deep, deeply humble place and we, and we have to listen and we have to listen to the spirit and the spirit knows everything. The spirit's in and through all of it. And, and, you know, we, we're, we're taught that the spirit's closer to us than our breath. So, so the spirit is intimately conscious of what you are going through. And so the revelation does need to be highly personalized. And so we have to allow that revelation to come highly personalized for us. And so in my first book, um, my publisher and I wanted it to be very secular. We wanted to have it be non-religious. We wanted it to, to be very welcoming to people of all faith traditions and no faith traditions. And we wanted it to be available at Walmart, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. which it is. So that, which congratulations, that, that's pretty awesome. I know that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we say Walmart, and sometimes that's the butt of jokes. But as far as like accessibility and for people to be able to get it, like the fact that it is available at Walmart, that's a big deal. Yeah, and it's a it's a real uh, privilege to be able to uh, be in a space where there's so much access. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what it's about. You know, I I was talking to someone just recently about what does it mean? What's the purpose of religion? 
And the response that came out of my mind naturally was the quickening of human spiritual evolution. And if that's the purpose of religion, which I think, I think it is, we, you know, this purpose of life, I think is, is spiritual evolution. That might not be how we normally talk about it or whatever, but I, I, that's, that's what I see it as. And, um, and religion is to facilitate a quickening of that, you know? Um, And so if we can, and look, the spirit already knows what's up. I don't have to tell anyone anything, but if I can help someone be more receptive to the spirit, then it's, it's done. God fills in the blanks. I don't have to do it. I don't have to know everything. And so I think that's where, where um, two things, one at the beginning of that book, uh, practical meditation for beginners right here, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that one, the introduction is called the beginner's mind. And that's, a, that is a Buddhist concept. And um, we have to kind of get over our, our arrogance, I think, you know, um, look, the Buddha was here thousands of years before Christ. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ came after the Buddha on purpose. There are no accidents here. So, so the Buddha had to do what he had to do in order to create the conditions so that Christ could fulfill what Christ had to do. Hmm. I believe that. Hmm. And so it's like, there are no accidents in this process, you know? Right. And, um, and the, uh, the idea of the beginner's mind in the, there's a beautiful Zen quote, and it says in the beginner's mind, there are infinite possibilities in the expert's mind. There are few. So if we think we already have it figured out, there's, we limit the potential. And guess what? God is one thing, not limited. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unlimited is one word we can describe God. Yeah. So we, we don't know. We can't limit God in all these different ways, you know. And that's what being humble in our nothingness, you know, the Book of Mormon says, uh, that we have to like realize our nothingness in relationship to God. Of course, we're not nothing. We're we're divine. We're we're pretty much something, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but in comparison to the mighty Creator of all creation, in whom we live and breathe and have our being, we're quite nothing, you know. Yeah. And and so that's that's I think what meditation really can facilitate for us is the humility to recognize that look, absolutely everything is that we understand is preschool compared to the doctorate program that we can understand in this lifetime. Even just in one lifetime, let alone what we learn after this lifetime or the, this incarnation, as we, as we like say in the Eastern traditions, this, this one lifetime, we have so much potential that we could fulfill but we don't, we don't, we don't come anywhere near it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much that, and so, so meditation, I think facilitates that opportunity for us to really check back in and say, look, I am a child of God. I am of divine nature. There is so much more to know. There's so much more to learn. And I think that's, I think the truth, you know, they say, um, if it doesn't come out in the wash, it comes out in the rinse. So the (laughs) truth, the truth tells, the truth has a tell. The truth has a tendency to reveal itself. And so I think the reason that we're becoming more and more receptive to meditation right now is because it works. Right. Is because it actually allows us to have not just an uh, uh, intellectual relationship with, with wisdom or revelation, but allows us to relax in the body and so that the spirit can actually interact with our hearts. You know, we talk about having chills. 
or 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 crying or feeling warmth in our, or a burning in our bosom or whatever it is. There are physical sensations when the energy changes and the spirit's present. When we have relaxation in the body, we increase our sensitivity to that. And so I think that I think the truth of it is what's um, allowing it to become more mainstream. And more and more people are saying like, wow, David O. McKay was drawing connections between the Eastern traditions and our faith tradition. And David O. McKay is like not exactly a brand new guy known for his progressive values. Right, right, Very right. traditional. Yeah. Interesting. I want to take a break right here. I want to press pause. And when okay. we come back, I am hoping... Um, that you can guide us through maybe a very short, because I want to make sure we spend time on on how you uh, consider yourself to be an entrepreneur and also a social activist as well. So I want to make sure we leave time for that. But I would be curious to have you lead us through a little bit of a meditation. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're driving, I'm going to need you to press pause and get to a place because when we come back in the second block, uh, we're going to have our guest, Ben Decker, uh, lead us through a small, just a teensy bit, so we can all get an idea of what this may sound like. We'll come back and do that in the second block of the Cultural Hall. You know Christus and nightlights and plan of salvation. Young women, moms, and your grandmas cross the nation would love a new Christus pendant. If you just get it and send it, not my best, sorry about that, go to ldsbookstore.com. You can go ahead and log on, get ornaments including a Christus, an angel Moroni and temples, and a 13-piece nativity set. I'm hammering in some of those syllables there, but you get the point. LDSbookstore.com for all your Christmas shopping needs. Uh, don't blame them for me singing. They have great things, th things for, for everyone. Uh, no matter like you're like, oh, I'm super churchy in my house, or if you're just like, man, I want a, just a casual, great-looking, inspirational piece. Uh, they have something for everyone, and most importantly, they love the cultural hall, so show your love to them with your money, with your dollars. That's how you show love ldsbookstore.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, don't you love the conversations that we have? I sure do. I hope that you would express the gratitude that you have in one of two ways, either that you go to wherever you got this episode and you leave us a review. You say, man, I can't believe how awesome and easy that Benjamin W. Decker broke down what meditation is and enlightened me. I'd love more episodes like that. You can leave a review like that, or you can put your money where your mouth is, and you can go to patreon.com slash theculturalhall, become a Patreon saint. It helps to uh, to pay for great things like the Zoom account, which we're using, and the microphone in which I'm speaking, and the, the air conditioning so that I'm not sweaty while we do this interview. Uh, all those things are made possible by you, sweet Patreon saints. It's patreon.com slash theculturalhall. Ben, let's do... When it doesn't have to be terribly long, but just to get an idea of what a guided meditation might be. And I will do, I am, um, I, I'm willing to close eyes or whatever I need to do on my end. You have my 100% buy-in on whatever I'm needing to do for this. Okay. Okay, cool. So like I was saying, meditation is, especially in a faith-based context, it's listening to the spirit. Prayer is speaking to God. Um, and meditation is listening to the spirit. 
in my second book, Meditations on Christ, um, I modeled it after a, an, a monastic practice that the Catholic monks um, have done for years called Lectio Divina. And um, that is the divine study. And it was uh, when a scripture was read, you would then pray and then you would meditate and then you would contemplate. And so, so the difference between what we sometimes think of as pondering and meditation is that meditation is very much a receptive state, really, really listening. Contemplation is more like pondering, okay. more like working with the thoughts, thinking about things. And so in that, in Meditations on Christ, it's based on the fruit of the spirit from Galatians. Uh, there are the different sections of meditations. And what we do is we have a, a Bible passage, a prayer based on that Bible passage, a meditation based on that Bible passage and that concept in the prayer, and then journal prompts for the contemplation component. So I tried to modernize something that, you know, we're supposed to be putting down the natural man and becoming a saint. Mm -hmm. And so all the saints in the Catholic tradition have practiced something called Lectio Divina. And so I wanted to make that practice accessible through that book. So what I want to do right now is just reflect. I'm going to go through that model because we're specifically speaking to a faith-based audience. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're going to work with that model. And it might be a little bit different if I was working with like a, an entrepreneurial conference or a non-religious audience, which I, I mostly do. Mm -hmm. But, um, one of my favorite passages is peace i leave with you my peace give i unto you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid so that's going to be the meditation we're going to reflect on that and i'm going to begin with a prayer so i invite you to close your eyes and if you're driving you can do this open eye um, but if you're sitting take a moment to close your eyes And begin by allowing the body to relax. And I believe it's John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be here together through time and space the gift of your wonderful technology that allows us to share goodness and be together. We're so grateful for the peace that we feel in the presence of your spirit. We know that there are areas in our lives where we do feel troubled in our hearts, where we do feel afraid. And so now at this time, we ask and invite the presence of your spirit to be with us and surround us now. May we be comforted. May we be receptive to your insight and your wisdom. We give this meditation to you. We ask and pray all these things in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so now keeping our eyes closed. We bring our awareness to the breath, breathing in and out, allowing every exhale to send a wave of relaxation through every part of the body.
as we gradually and naturally relax a little bit deeper with every exhale, we become more receptive. Noticing any subtle sounds or movement in all directions around us, allowing everything to be exactly as it is, just for now. Letting down any walls, any pretenses, disengaging from any fears or insecurities or worries. Finding that place of faith in our hearts. And allowing it to fill our mind, fill our body and surround us now. Noticing any images or words or thoughts or sensations that arise, breathing through them, and always coming back to that relaxed stillness. as every exhale brings deeper and deeper relaxation through every muscle in the body. Lifting up in our minds any fears or troubles of our hearts and placing them on a mental altar to the spirit, that they may be altered, that we may open our minds and hearts to seeing and feeling differently about these troubles and fears. listening with our inner ears. Observing with our inner eye. Noticing any insight or thoughts or images 
or feelings that may arise and breathing through them. And I like to end my meditations by silently saying to the spirit, thank you very much. You can open your eyes. Cool. So can I share with you my experience a little bit about it? Yes, please do. This is what I would normally say. Take your journal out. And write those things down. So uh, there are some that I won't share with you. That went in a in a deeply personal place that I that I I had no zero <laughs> percent anticipation that it would go there. I think very very much on the surface level, um, I am someone who that will be the piece that I'll have today. Right? It is one thing, and then it is another, and then it is another, and then it's my phone, and then it's I'm home, and then it's a this, and then it's a this, and then I fall into bed. And I get up and at the moment that I start the next day, it is immediately the thing and then another thing and then the other thing. Right. And, and so it was very profound for me that it was like, oh, I just, I just feel peaceful right now. And then as I was like, okay, there's got, there, there's got to be something more to it than just that I'm stopping. Although I loved that. And if that was the only thing that I had got from it, just to feel that peace, I thought that that was valuable. But then pondering the words, the, the peace the piece I give to you not and I think as the as the scripture goes on I sort of extrapolate it not as I get not as the world gives I unto you something like that right essentially right. That it, it's a piece that we can get only from Christ only from God and and my mind flashed to, to a, a time in my life when there was this most beautiful song that uses that scripture as the lyrics and mm. and I remember the the familial closeness that I had with the people that were a part of that choir and how we had to be listening to each other in order for it to sound the very best. And, and then sort of took that back out to like, oh, I'm actually listening to something right now and, and having these thoughts. And then also something that I, I guess I'll sort of tease into that most deepest thing is that I don't, like at this time in my life, I don't feel a tremendous closeness with a lot of people. Some of that is, is given the world condition of where we're at, but some of that is just because, you know, I work a lot. I also deflect a lot and keep things pretty surface level, but to let really anyone kind of in, like there aren't a whole lot of that people. And that's a lot different from how I was at that time. And so then I just sort of venture in this whole thing of like, but I really love that. I really love that closeness with others. Extrapolate it out. I love that closeness with God. Think of that. Peace be at, you know, and then I just was like, Ah, and then you're like, it's done. And I'm like, no, wait, wait, <laughs> give me one more minute I where know. I don't have to think about anything. Oh, yeah. we're back to the interview. It was a little quick. Yeah, it was a quick one, you know, because we're here together. But you know what? That's um, that's why I really recommend um, the take the typical recommendation is twice a day, 20 to 40 minutes each time. Yeah. And you know what? You do have it. You yeah. know, there's a there's a, a Buddhist expression that I really like that says, um, I think it's the Dalai Lama said it. He said, 
Uh, maybe it was the Buddha. I literally have no idea. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Some um, somebody. As saw, somebody. As you saw with like the Bible passage, I like kind of botched it. Um, but what the you know, it's the spirit of the of the concept versus like the letter of the concept. Uh, but the the quote is, I, I think it must be the Buddha. He said, um, "If you don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes, meditate for an hour." Right. <laughs> You know, and you really do because you know what? Time is a dimension of consciousness. So when time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, so if you do slow your slow time down by prioritizing meditation, you do have more mental acuity and more mental energy to do the other things that you have to do. Hmm. And you're more you. You show up more in your truth for that. It's a deeper expression of, of your authentic self. You're not going to be quite as irritable. You're going to be more compassionate. You're going to be more patient. You know, you're going to have, you're going to be more tuned in to the spirit. You're going to be more connected to eternity. Well, and, and that's the real thing. That's truth right there. And, and also, if we consider that God made us specifically as to who we are as our true selves, as a furthering of the kingdom or the reestablishing right. of whatever or this or that or whatever, where he wants us right. to be ourselves and not anything else or anyone else, all the more need to to find and to fulfill that individual we need you everyone who's listening we need you mm -hmm. we need you exactly who you really really are um, and there is a divine fingerprint where we're where we're in a certain kind of circumstances to set us right up and that is i believe why we're here we're here to be exactly who we are. If you don't feel like you fit in in this way or that way, that's because the situation needs to change. Hmm. Hmm. The world around us has to change. It's not done. It's not set up. There are problems all over the place, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah. And no, what, need... what problems? What are you even talking about? Yeah, problems? we got to figure what? it out. <laughs> <laughs> we need to show up, you know, and the spirit will speak to us very, very personally. And, and it will work. It will work and we will have peace and, and we will know what to do. And what role do we play in that change happening is a great way to queue up the third block of the cultural hall. We'll come back and we'll talk about some social activism and what you find your role to be in that. And does it cross over? Is meditation part of your social activism? We'll find that as we come back in the third block of the cultural hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. It's our ultra-mega back-to-school blowout sale. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ultra-high-quality laptops and desktops on sale for up to 50% off the original prices. We've got demos, scratch and dents, trade-ins, and funny colored computers. It's crazy. Remember, you get a lifetime service guarantee on any PC Laptops brand computer. That means if you mess up your Windows or you get a virus or spyware, it's covered forever. 
Got an old yucky computer? No problem. We'll take it in on trade and we'll transfer all your pictures, music, and all your stuff to your PC Laptops computer for free. When you get your computer from PC Laptops, we'll make sure you're taken care of for a lifetime. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12 months special financing on any PC Laptops desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, uh, I seriously, I'm just reflecting back on the meditation. That's pretty great. This may be uh, uh, an episode of the Cultural Hall that I sort of save on my phone, and I maybe isolate that meditation and just let you lead me through that uh, on more than one occasion. A great experience as we've been visiting with Benjamin W. Decker, as his books will uh, note. That's because there was some other Ben Decker. We we don't even like that guy. I'm not sure what his books are about, <laughs> but don't buy those. Buy the Benjamin W. Decker. Uh, you make sure that you note that you are a social activist when there is a bio about you. I it was it was very distinct to me. I noticed that. So in addition to the meditation, tell me how you define a social activist and what your role. Uh, in being a social activist is? Well, I think um, the meditation work, social activism and entrepreneurialism are all um, deeply intertwined. I see them as three aspects of one thing braided together. And, uh, you know, we look at all of the major important social and cultural movements throughout history, abolition of slavery. Um, in the United States, there was the, the women's suffragette movement. These are movements that were started from the spiritual community. Quakers were some of the very first abolitionists. The uh, Caroline Severance, who was a Unitarian Universalist, she was originally a Protestant. And when, she, and when the uh, Protestant uh, community was not vehemently opposed to slavery, she left and created Unitarian, Univer Unitarian Universalist Church of Los Angeles. And she um, was the only original suffragette to live long enough to vote. Um, so wow. these are important things that sprouted out from the spiritual communities. Um, and, and, I th and I think that we, we learn from Christ. He's the model. He's the perfect example of what the best case scenario is for any of us to come anywhere near, hmm. you know. And he had his own ordinances that he had to perform. He had his own role. And we have ours. And we're not him. We have a different thing. But I think his, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on his um, virgin birth and things like that. I think that the, the important thing is that this was a living being that experienced suffering who had to choose to do hard things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot more inspiring for me than thinking that he has like all these special powers that I don't have. Um, what, I, what I think about is how he went through hard stuff and I have to go through hard stuff and I have to still choose just like he still had to choose. He still had to choose every one of those things that he did. He had to choose. And so we have to choose too, you know. Do, and, do you um, feel, you say we have to choose. Do you feel like it is a responsibility as a follower of Christ to be active in making sure that, you know, that people are treated fairly, that they're like, is there more than just a, we should, there's a responsibility as being a follower of Christ? I think it's, it's between you and God. Okay. Okay. You know, I'm not trying and, to pin you anywhere and you can have the opinion of that because I feel very strongly that with the knowledge of which we're given, like where the, where things are given, if you have a knowledge of a thing that you are held accountable at the point that you see something go wrong and don't say something about it. I'm very much of the mind that God's like, eh, I, 
I taught you that truth, and you had the opportunity to, and whatever this is, we can talk about this in the right. in the fact of like Black Black Lives Matter or something like that, or any other thing, any other atrocity. Once we're given the knowledge, I I I feel very strongly that God's like, hey pal, do you remember when I taught you this? Why aren't we doing something about this? Right, and that's why I think personal revelation is so crucial. Uh, we can't lean onto someone else's testimony and understanding. I know that there's some people might disagree with me on that, but the reality is um, there has never been a moment when God was not present. Our, you know, a lot of times when I say we invite the spirit or we hear about that, it's, it's not really that someone's not here and we want to invite them to the party. Mm-hmm. It's that we need to open our own hearts and minds to realizing the ever presence of the spirit. Spirit. Spirit's only gone when we're being bogus. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. When we're tuning out is the only time this, we can't hear the spirit. It's, it's us tuning to a different radio station. You know, that radio station's always there. We got to tune to it. It's, mm-hmm. on, it's on us to do that. So I say we have to choose because the choice, is, the choice must be made. Um, and the choice must be made. We always have a choice. There's no, there's no way getting around the choice. Um, and we do have to choose, like you said, based on, based on what the spirit has revealed to us. And guess what? We have to always keep learning. We always have to level up too. Yeah. yeah. So we can't be like, you know what? I've always been registered this political party and this is how I feel. And this is the thing. And this is what my favorite news guy says about that. So that's my opinion also. No, Yeah. sorry. You don't get a pass at propaganda because you've been taught and shown how to speak directly to the mighty creator of all creation. <laughs> so you better be asking the right questions. It's on you if you're not asking for revelation. Even if something hasn't been revealed to you, I believe it's on you to ask for it. Well, I mean, in the very in the very condition of agency, he's not going to force it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and think of how many times that someone has tried to force you to do something. I don't know how you are about that, Ben. But when someone tries to force me something, I'm like, OK, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm Th- not into it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for trying to force me there. But mm, hard, <laughs> hard pass. Hard pass. Yeah, hard thing. pass. Hard pass. No but but when I seek something out, when I feel the truth of it and and this can be gospel related or otherwise, I feel very inwardly compelled to do that thing at the point that I've sought it out, had it confirmed, whether it's religious or otherwise, but then kind of know the truth of it. It's like, oh, yeah, darn, I got to yeah, I got to do that now. And there's some effort right. that comes along with it. But but I, I, I feel much more compelled at the point that I have sought it out rather than it's been told to me. Yes, absolutely. You know, and we we do have to ask the right questions. I, I've I've had a personal uh, revelation around what it means to be a child of God and to be a child of God in the kingdom of heaven is to be a prince or to be a princess, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to live in this world with nobility and to be noble. It's not very noble to say, oh, well, it's not my responsibility that those other people are experiencing that hardship. Sorry, I have my own hardships, bro. Is that <laughs> so now I have to deal with that? Right. No, that's not noble. Mm-hmm. That's petty, like a peasant. <laughs> you're not a peasant. You're a prince. You're a princess. Be noble, you know? Be noble. Be intelligent. Be benevolent, you know, like our Father in heaven is. He's very, very merciful and very generous, you know, despite what it looks like you've got, like maybe, you're, you're, maybe your bank account's empty, maybe your car's a flat tire, and maybe like... <laughs> I don't, don't feel very noble. Aww. Yeah, I don't feel very noble. I don't feel like a child of God. Guess what? You are. 
no matter what you feel. And the thing is, what I love about meditation is that bring, you have to keep coming back, always come back to the breath, always come back to the meditation, you know. The enemy's favorite tool, I often say the enemy's favorite tool is ignorance, but it's not. Hmm. His favorite tool is distraction. And in meditation, we actually cultivate the part of our brain where agency actually lives. The part of our brain where self-control lives. And self-control, aka temperance, is one of the fruit of the spirit. So part of that is being able to see beyond the distraction. The distraction is the flat tire. The distraction is the empty bank account. Guess what? In the kingdom of God, you have, this is your universe. This is your world. There's a beautiful hymn. And you said I could sing. So, because we're in the cultural hall, not in the chapel. This is my father's world, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is your father's world. And you know what that means? That means you have like the highest level privilege in this world. You can transcend any of the physical limitations of this world. That's the cheat code. The cheat code is that you are of divine nature and that if you call your dad, he'll give you the hookup. Your dad might, if you call your dad because you can't pay your rent, he might not pay your bills right then, but he will give you the peace that you need. He'll set you up in in one way or another. And it's according, what, what do we know about miracles? It's according to your own faith your own willingness. And that's the thing I think about miracles. Uh, Meditation helps us receive miracles because it helps open our minds to seeing our circumstances in new ways. And it's about our faith. There's something so simple to me that just kind of keeps poking in my mind when you say, and that's when you bring it back to the breath Mm -hmm. and then it all comes back to the breath. and, and, um, And to me, like I guess as we've been talking, what that sort of means is it's, like it's just the it's the simplistic of life, right? Like, oh, but I've got this and this and this and then it's like, nope, the breath that God gave you of who you are. Back to the breath. Oh, but my flat tire and the rent and the, the this and the pandemic and the this and, the, and all the things and it's nope, back to the breath mm-hmm. until you until you can really, like you say, void yourself of those distractions and really be able to focus on that. And and maybe I'm drawing into things that you that that, that aren't there or maybe they are. But really just just recognizing who and what I am in the breath and then being able to to have all those other things. This is not how I thought this conversation would go, Ben. I love it. I love every bit of what we've talked about today. uh, Well, so just to really address what you said about the social activism, I think that that's my mission. You know, some people get called to Sydney, Australia. Mm -hmm. Some people get called to Los Angeles, Chinese speaking. Uh Some people get called to like, you know, Billings, Montana, Spanish speaking or whatever. Is that I, where you went, by the way? That's pretty specific. No, I was just saying. <laughs> okay, okay, things. okay. Those are, those, are, those are loved ones of mine went to those places. Um, I feel very called to particular causes. I think I was first called to the anti-human trafficking movement, which, which is essentially um, ab- abolition. And agency is a sacred gift and slavery is a violation of agency. And um, I feel uh, very connected to um, even animal rights issues. A lot of people are like, oh, we're supposed to have dominion over it. Well, to have dominion over something means to take care of it. Right. You know, we don't need to be abusing animals. Look, eat them if you think it's the right thing to eat them. Okay. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, <laughs> but let's not totally beat the living crap out of them and abuse them and, right. and torture them before we eat them. Right. You know, right. Um, this is a beautiful world. This is such a beautiful, sacred planet. 
can we can we not totally trash it please right. Right. Can we be like really good stewards of this beautiful planet? Well, and to you that know? point, to that point with that particular issue, I really think it's a, a God's going to make us be accountable. I mean, certainly about all of these things, but like as we sort of personify a modern day God speaking in our vernacular, he's like, what did you do here? I gave you this perfectly great place. Oh, you thought you could just use it up and what? I'm going to give you another planet. Is that what you thought? Is that how this was going to be? Like, I, I, I genuinely feel that there, there is a tremendous amount of responsibility that we don't live up to as we specifically talk about being stewards of the earth. Right, right. Well, just imagine um, your parents buying you a great house mm -hmm. in the countryside somewhere, and it's it's a beautiful house, and they bought it for you, and they just like gave it to you. And then they came back to, to see that um, you haven't vacuumed. Uh, that you let the weeds overgrow it, uh, that you were like dumping um, chemicals and stuff in the backyard and half the backyard is dead. You know, it's it's kind of common sense. And that's part of why I think meditation is our future. If we're going to really, really do what needs to be done, it's going to be the result of a lot of people meditating and wisely applying the revelation that comes through meditation. Um, and I think that it's, I think that it is it's essentially very, very basic things. In meditation, a lot of times you just realize the most basic things. You're like, wow, my bathroom is filthy. I'm going to clean my bathroom. Mm -hmm. You know, wow, I didn't handle that conversation so well. Wow, maybe I've been seeing that social issue wrong. This politician that I've been supporting is saying negative things about an issue. So I've been buying into that, but maybe I'm not seeing the whole picture. Things do come through. We're, we're desensitized to a lot of things. But in meditation, a resensitization takes place. Our time is up. But I have three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask them of you right now. The first is, do you have a calling right now, sir? And if so, what is it? The only calling I have right now is I have a whole slew of ministering uh, assignments. Ah, yeah. And it's an yeah, interesting... It's an interesting time an to be doing that. Calling. I have an unofficial calling where I do um, online uh, firesides. Cool. Uh, but it, but it, was, it was never made in, into an official calling. Cool. So. If you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Um, I would pick, you know, I really like activities. Yeah. So social activities, anything, um, anything where I could coordinate uh, social family activities. Uh, I will make this invitation before I uh, do the third question. If you ever find yourself in Salt Lake, I insist that you look me up and that you come to Sunday school with me, assuming that we're meeting back as a church. Uh, one of the Sunday school classes uh, that in my ward is taught by a guy who left the church for about 20 years and studied Buddhism, and now he brings those practices into the Sunday school, and it's awesome. And it's Do a, I know him? It's a Steve unique McConkey. experience. It's Thomas McConkie. Yeah, he's uh, he's been a previous episode of the Cultural Hall, so people can go and find that. I'll leave that in the show notes. But he is tremendous, and it's and it's interesting the way that at first people go, "This is different." Or am I okay that this is different? And then they go through a class and they go, "This is different in a way that I actually got something from this class, and I'm excited to be able to learn again next week." So. The, worth the plug there. The last question we ask everyone here in the cultural hall is, what is your favorite part of your faith? My favorite part of my faith is temple work. Um, I love 
the there's something very sacred i think about um what we we call it temple baptism baptism for the dead um in in comparative religious studies it falls under a category of um, ancestor purification and it's a lot about forgiving previous generations for any any um any faults or shortcomings and also honoring them for the many things that they did give us isaac newton said um, anything that I've accomplished, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. And um, I love I love what that taught me at a very young age when I had the opportunity to go into the temple and and uh, do my my family's temple work. That's cool. And the thing that I had it had never dawned on me, we don't have the time to discuss it, but only cue it up as a question. So if now follow me here for a second, a conversation for a different time. If when we are baptized in life, our sins are forgiven us and we washed clean, then it would go to stand that those that we are baptized for, that those sins are then washed away at the point that we are baptized in proxy for those individuals. So heretofore, as I try and make my point here about this whole thing, could it be then that the sins of the past are forgiven as administrated by temple proxy baptisms, a question for a different time. Ben, hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body and that if you weren't healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on 